Hey there. If you're anything like me, you have dreams you want to make reality or goals you want to achieve. But let's face it, time is not on your side. You're busy, you're tired. And when in the world would you carve out the amount of time you would need to achieve anything above and beyond the day-to-day -day load you're already carrying? Welcome to Mom on the Fringe. I am your host, Amy Matthews Mootville. I'm a busy mom of three young children, an entrepreneur, singer, voice teacher, and lover of any old piece of furniture that needs restoration. I am here to support you, encourage you, and give you tactical tips and tools to help you find those hidden pockets of time in your busy week and use that time to your advantage. Let's get started. Hey there, I'm back. This is Amy and I am excited today because we are going to be talking about some tactical tips for self-care. In the previous episode, we debunked the myth about self-care and whether or not it was good or bad and how it stacks up for you. I talked about how I've struggled over the years with figuring out a good balance with self-care in my own mind and how I've allowed the pendulum to swing in both extreme directions of completely letting myself go and not taking care of myself to demanding me time from everyone around me and being an insatiable monster when it came to self-care for me. And how I sort of found that balance and I found uh, some resources that spoke the truth about self-care and laid it out for me in a way that helped me understand where I was. So today, I'm going to just share some practical tips about self-care. First of all, I believe that we can practice self-care on the fringe of our lives. You notice how that is a little bit of a common thread in this podcast? No wonder it's called Mom on the Fringe because that is what this is all about. So I believe that instead of craving these weekend getaways at the spa, which believe me, sounds incredible, and I would take someone up on that in a heartbeat if they offered that to me. But I also think we can get those moments, those small pockets of time in our everyday lives if we look for them and we plan them diligently. So one of the ways I've talked about many times throughout this podcast, and especially in the beginning when I was introducing what this podcast was about, is either waking up early, which is what I do. I wake up super early to get those moments in that I can read, pray, work out. Um, and I say, um, because there's so many different things you can do with that time in the morning. So I don't want to dictate it for you, but for me, that time works. And I know that there's a lot of, uh, you know, hesitation by people who have never done it before. They say, really? I mean, really? Is it, is it, isn't that excruciating to wake up at 4.30 in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning 
or even for some people, six sounds like an ungodly hour. And I get it. I understand where you're coming from when you say that. But I shared in a a few of the earlier episodes about how I had a job at Apple where I had to work uh, at 5 a.m. in the morning, which meant I had to get up at 3.30 in order to get everything ready for the, the day ahead get the kids' lunches ready, sometimes get their clothes uh, laid out for that day, and just anything I could do to help my husband and make it a little bit smoother for him in the morning. And then also, of course, get myself ready and get my lunch packed. And I did that because by the time I would get off work and take care of the kids and get their homework done and all the things that we needed to do, I was exhausted. And I didn't have the frame of mind at the end of the day to prepare all of that stuff ahead of time. So I quickly found out, hey, if I just get up at 3.30 or 4, I can do that. Now, that might just sound crazy to you. Like, you're insane. I would never do that. But here's what I found out. After about two weeks of craziness and just, I, I would cry, guys. I would cry in the car. Like, I cannot believe I'm up this early. This is horrible. I No one has to be up this early. But quickly, I found out, you know what, this isn't so bad. And, you know, sometimes I was really tired. In those first two weeks, I was super tired. I mean, I was a zombie. But something eventually clicked, and I eventually started to actually enjoy waking up. And I didn't even need the alarm after a while, believe it or not. I would just pop, my eyes would pop open, and I would be up and at them and getting things done. And I would feel great by the time I left work because I'd already accomplished so much before noon than most people accomplish in an entire day. So it was like an aha moment for me. And I realized, oh my gosh, if I did this, and I eventually quit that job, but after that, I continued getting up. And I kept thinking, if I could do this every day, imagine what I could do with my time. Imagine the shape I could be in physically. I could work out during that time. I could read more books and I could spend time with God, which is a priority for me. Um, and if, if you're not a Christian, you might just love to meditate or do something else during that time. But for me, this was my time to get my life in order. And it, it really just depends on the season of life we're in, what I do with that time. Um, I have to say I struggle with balance because I'll wake up at 4.30 and I'll be like, hmm, if I don't have a plan and I don't know what I'm doing, it can quickly end up being something where I'm just sitting there on my phone looking at Instagram or something like that and going, what am I doing? But if I have a plan in place, I can easily get to the gym and back home by 6 o'clock in the morning, get the kids' meals ready, get them up for school, get them out the door, and still and, and be showered and ready to go with my day by 7.45. It's crazy. And on those days when that really happens and I do those things, I feel so good. And on the days I turn the alarm clock off and I, I do allow myself occasionally just to hit snooze, you know, and turn it off like I did this morning. And on those days, I feel a little bit behind the beat all day long and I'm trying to play catch up. So that is 
tactical tip number one. If you can find some small pockets of time, it doesn't have to be early in the morning, but I tell you what, if you want to be successful at doing this, the morning is the best time to start because when it gets later in the day, I'll just tell you a little secret and you've heard this before, but I'll tell it, I'll tell you again. When it gets later in the day, things get in your way. And I feel at nighttime, even if I'm wide awake, I feel uninspired. I feel tired. I feel defeated. I feel like I just need to like, even if I'm not tired, I just, I'm a vegetable at nighttime. All I want to do is turn on TV or, you know, do something really unproductive. Look at last night, I was really tired and I literally just sat there for an hour on my couch with the TV on. I don't even know what I was watching. And just, I was zoned out and had my phone in my hand and I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I awake? So that's me at nighttime. I'm not a very productive person at night and you just have to find your own rhythm. Okay. I've spent way too much time, sorry, talking about number one, because there's a lot of things I want to get through in this episode. So I think you can find small pockets of time in your everyday life. And I also think you can find Uh, larger pockets of time on a weekly basis. So you can also create like, you know, on a weekly basis, say, hey, one night a week or one morning a week, uh, I'm going to take off and go do X, Y, Z, whatever that is. It could be go have a a coffee or a drink with a friend. It could be, uh, you know, going and walking through a store, or I wouldn't advise that necessarily because that could get expensive. Um, It could be taking a walk, but on a weekly basis, you do something that is maybe a little longer than your daily uh, self-care, which is just, you know, an hour or two that you could find on a weekly basis. And then on a monthly basis, I think it's really important to have monthly things that you, um, that you do once a month. It could be, you know, a hike or a bike ride, or it could be uh, a pedicure or, uh, you know, a longer weekend getaway or whatever that could be. I really think we need to plan out monthly things that also fill our cup. And then the next thing is quarterly. So on every three months, um, I think it's really important. And honestly, I have to admit, this is really the hardest thing for me. And that is to find a couple of days that are just time for myself and time away. And it could be time with my husband. It could be time with a good friend. But I think on a quarterly basis, once every three or four months, it's a good idea to do. And then something that you do once a year. And I don't know what that looks like for you. That's something that you need to lay out for yourself. But I think that that's a really good start to saying, hey, what can I do on an everyday basis? What can I do on a weekly basis, monthly, quarterly, and then yearly? Then the next thing I wanted to share is that it will look different differently for you than it will look for other people. So if you don't know what it looks like for you personally uh, to take care of yourself and to feel better, because that's what this is really about. It's, It's being able to be present 
with the people you love, and to enjoy your life. And if you're finding yourself walking around like a zombie because you're so tired um, or grouchy because you're so irritable at everybody and everything, or you're snappy with your kids or things are just feeling heavy and you're having this like inner monologue where you're just not being very nice to yourself or others around you, chances are you need a break. And chances are you are spending that time that you could be spending refilling your cup, doing things that probably aren't filling your cup. Does that make sense to you? So you need to find out what it looks like for you. For instance, I've mentioned this before. Everyone uh, used to talk about going and getting pedicures. And I, I like a pedicure. Sure, that's fine. But it's not necessarily something that is a self-care thing for me. I I don't necessarily come home from a pedicure and feel like, oh, I'm brand new. I'm ready to conquer the world. Um, actually, the opposite is true. And I end up feeling um, like I just lost a good hour of my day. <laughs> and so I get a little bit stressed out about things like pedicures. I even get stressed out. You're going to be like, gosh, she's wound up tight. Um, Yeah, maybe, but I just don't enjoy it as much as some people do, I guess. It's not something that really gets me going. Now, take me to a library. Gosh, I'm really geeking out, guys. You're really hearing the real me here. Take me to a library or Barnes and Noble or... um, you know, give me an hour just to go anywhere I want to and read or look through books or artwork. That's good self-care for me. So you need to know what it looks like for you. And if you are struggling with that, experiment with it. You know, there's nothing wrong with trying different things out and going, you know what, that makes me feel really good. And I really enjoy that activity, but that one, even though everyone tells me, oh, it's so great, you need to go do it, it doesn't really do much for me. You need to know that for yourself, okay? And just to kind of add to that, this probably sounds so geeky and nerdy to some of you, but there's this big talk about um, Enneagram, I'm probably going to say that wrong, Enneagram tests. And also the Myers-Briggs tests. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll I'll put the links on the show notes so you can check it out. But you can can go online and you can take a test, like it's like a personality test, to sort of find out what you're all about if you don't know, right? If you haven't figured it out by now, what makes you tick and what, where you are on the spectrum of things. For instance, um... I fall right down the middle, or I did the last time I took it. I probably need to take it again. I fall right down the middle on the Myers-Briggs test of being in the middle of an introvert and extrovert. I'm neither nor, okay? But I will say that if I want to fill my cup, it's usually, not all the time, but usually going to be doing something by myself, Now, that doesn't mean I don't enjoy people and I don't love being around my friends and talking. And that definitely is self-care for me to be with friends. 
but it also kind of wears me out and it takes a lot of energy out of me. So if I really want to fill my cup, I need to be alone doing something kind of introverted and geeky. Yeah, that's who I am. So that's something you can do as well. If you're like, I don't know, I don't know what self-care looks like for me. I don't know what I like. You can take some of those tests or you can just experiment, right? See what makes you feel good again. What makes you feel less like a zombie and more alive and present and more uh, friendly (laughs) with the world around you. Okay, so the next thing on my list is for me, um, and I think this is is a good thing for anyone, um, I, I love to read. I love to listen to podcasts. Um, I love to listen to audiobooks. And in my opinion, a big part of self-care is learning and growing by words that fill my cup. So things that motivate me and inspire me that I hear or read um, that make me a better version of myself, that call me out, you know, and that's why I, I really love reading just reading my Bible or, or doing a good devotion because it points out like, hey, you're being a little bit childish or you need to forgive that person that you are angry at. Or, you know, you were having a conversation yesterday with your child that really was not very kind. And those types of things, while they're hard to do, it's, I believe it's a form of self-care to, to do them. Um, just like, like doing that, it's also a form of self-care to work out and eat healthy. And I know some of you are going, oh, quit talking about it. I don't want to do it. I hate it. And I'm right there with you. I don't like it either. I don't love going to the gym. I don't love eating salads. But the end game, the end result of making healthy choices for ourselves, let's face it, we know this to be true. The end game is self-care. And because we're going to, by doing that, we're going to make sure we have energy and we feel good so that we can show up for the world. Okay, I'm talking really fast because I want to get through these quickly. The next thing is cultivating real, actual, live friendships. Now you may be saying, oh, I have friends. I have lots of friends. I, I, I hang out with people. I see people on Facebook. I have conversations. But the majority of us are having very few personal interactions with people on a daily basis, other than maybe people we work with or the people we see at the bank or the, um, the kids' schools or, um, you know, the supermarket or whatever. And we're not actually doing life with people. You know, we're not actually spending time with them and being a true friend. And I truly believe, even as an introvert, that we all need real, live, actual friendships, people we see on an everyday basis. Some other self-care tips, I'm just going to throw some out there just so you can just kind of let your head spin a little bit and brainstorm. Journaling is a really great self-care 
journaling, let me tell you this. I believe journaling can save you thousands of dollars in therapy. (laughs) I really do. And here's why. When you sit down and you write out your thoughts on a piece of paper, and you you could keep it or you can crumple it up and or burn it. It doesn't matter what you do with that actual paper. But it actually gets you to really come to terms with what's going on. And one of the things I have developed a habit of doing over the years, and I don't know what got me started doing this, but I'm telling you what. It has been a game changer for me. And it's something I've gotten away from, actually. So I want you to hold me accountable to start doing it again. And that is journaling my prayers. Does that sound weird? Well, it is a little weird. But here's what I do. I always think, okay, I need to write down my thoughts. But then I think, but that's just kind of empty, right? If I'm just jotting down my thoughts, um... That's fine, but where is it going to go? So I started journaling my prayers, mainly because I am sort of ADD. I mean, I I was diagnosed with adult ADD years ago, and I have trouble focusing on one thing. So I would find that I would start praying out loud, and then before I knew it, I had trailed off, and I was doing something completely different, and I had forgotten that I was even praying. And so... Journaling my prayers helped me to actually start focusing on what it was that I was saying and get my thoughts out. And what was so cool about journaling my prayers, and I would literally write the date, you know, February 3rd, 2004, dear Lord, I am struggling I don't know what's going on, but I feel really uncertain, right? And I would go on and talk about all those things. And it was always interesting because I would go back and look at those prayers that I had journaled. And I could see how God moved. It was almost like a map. I'm not even kidding. It was. It's so cool to see the movement in your lives by writing down your requests to God. Okay, the next one I have been doing more and more of lately, planting a garden. And it can be a small indoor herb garden that you have by your kitchen sink and your window, or it can be something outdoors. It doesn't matter. But watching something grow, I believe, is a form of self-care. So is taking a class and learning something new. Do you see where I'm going with this? I think there are so many different ways. And yes, pedicures can fit in there. And, um, you know, shopping can be a form of self-care and getting your hair done and getting your nails done, whatever. But I really believe that the things that fill our cups are the things that help us to be better versions of ourselves. I believe that. And you may say, well, that's not how I, be, how I feel like self-care is. I feel like a self-care is, you know, a Mai Tai on the beach with a cabana boy. And I'm whatever, no judgment. But for me, these are the things that I found help me. Sometimes it's organizing a space like, you know, oh, you know what? I've been wanting to 
get into that closet and really clean that out. Let me go do that. And then after it's done, I'm looking at it going, I feel so fulfilled. And you're probably laughing right now, but it's true. And if you're like me and you are the same and it makes you feel so good to have a closet organized, call me. (laughs) We'll go have lunch and we'll go organize something because it feels so good. And I think that's a form of self-care for me. Not only because of the accomplishment of that task, but also how it changes my family's life for the better after it's done. Like I feel like I'm clearer in my head and I can move on with life and I know where things are and I can tell my kids where they put such and such because I know where it is. So that organizing is a thing. And hey, when the kids were babies, by the way, if you're in the early stages of motherhood and you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, all of this sounds so overwhelming. I can't even go to the bathroom without a baby screaming or you know, something happening in the next room. Your time will come, my friend. Right now, your time is just those little tiny pockets of time, like I I mentioned in the beginning, those 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there that the baby might be sleeping or the toddler might be napping during the middle of the day or maybe at night when you're you're nursing and you are thinking about, um, you know, the next day's events. Or maybe you're just feeling like you need to just unwind and read a magazine. Whatever. You're doing whatever you can do at that moment to survive. So don't be overwhelmed by this list. These are just things I'm throwing out. When I was in the throes of mothering little tiny babies, sometimes something as simple as vacuuming the carpet and seeing vacuum lines on my carpet was self-care. It was a form of self-care because I felt like, oh, I can breathe now. The carpet is vacuumed. Okay. So I'm going to end it there because I don't want to overwhelm you. I just wanted to throw out some ideas for you. Self-care looks different for different people. And it also looks different depending on the season you are in. So you're going to have more time to have, you know, really good chunks of of time when you have older kids, like mine are getting a little older. And, you know, my daughter is in preschool three days a week. So I can justify, okay, now I've got you know, an hour here, two hours there. I can, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. (laughs) I'm going to blog. I'm going to go get my hair cut like I did yesterday. And those are, are things that used to be a commodity and now they're things I can build into my week. So your season of life is going to be different than mine, but you can find some things. My goal for this episode is to let you know that you can find time to take care of yourself. Don't put it off. Don't let it go too far. If you need a sitter, don't call me. (laughs) I've already got enough kids. But if you, (laughs) just kidding. But if you need a sitter or you need someone to take over for you, find that person. It is important, friend. It is important that you find that time to fill your cup 
It's not selfish. Sure, we can take it too far, like I mentioned in the last episode. But this is just finding time that we can fill our cups. And I wanted to give you that today so that you would go out and figure this out and find ways in your busy, hectic, draining, exhausting lives to fit in self-care. Thanks for listening. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to this podcast episode. It means so much for me. And please don't forget to leave a review. Till next time. Bye-bye.